Welcome to Mind Music Mastery, a weekly podcast brought to you by Talyard Education. Join us for a series of episodes for every creative to explore the space inside of ourselves as well as outside of ourselves. You are your own champion. You are your own best friend. Hi everyone and welcome to episode two of the Mind Music Mastery podcast. I'm here again with Lucy and we have got an amazing podcast lined up for you today all around perfectionism. (laughs) Doesn't that sound exciting? Um, Today's podcast in all seriousness is titled Perfectly Imperfect and Lucy and I kind of thought it might be a good place to start as a follow-up from our first podcast uh, namely because we came across a lot of challenges and realized that our first podcast may not have been the most perfect recording but in that imperfection we were able to learn some really valuable lessons isn't that right Lucy (laughs) (laughs) and we are still learning today the technical errors of working in quarantine they just seem to keep on coming but we make it work don't we? We rise like phoenixes. That's right. (laughs) Through the ashes. (laughs) As I like to say, (laughs) if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't grow you. (laughs) (laughs) She does say that a lot, actually. (laughs) I'd say most meetings that drops in somewhere at least once. Um, No, I think this is a really appropriate topic um, for us to be talking about, obviously, (laughs) reflecting upon the fact that, you know, we we recorded this podcast last week and it went through probably about five or six different treatments and went through the hands of about three or four different producers. And we sat on it, didn't we, for a day, just deciding, do we put this out? But when we realised that we would rather this be out there for people as a resource than for us to be really perfect about about it we we just we made the decision to put it out there anyway and I thought that was really brave and that was that was kind of a um like a symbol I guess of the process of being a creative and the fact that we can hold on to things because we don't believe that they are perfect um I don't know about you Susanna but being a creative person myself and being surrounded by creatives during quarantine I have experienced so much of this in my life of people not putting things out there because of fear of it not being perfect but what does what does perfect mean so it's it's a really interesting thing to to touch upon and I mean we could talk about it for days but we'll try and and try and not but but what has been your kind of you know your your history with this this word perfect perfect oh gosh where do I start um so my love affair with perfectionism started at the tender age (laughs) Well, probably about six or seven. Um, and I I think part of it was my upbringing, to be honest with you. I grew up um, with three other siblings. And um, our parents actually used to compare us quite a lot. Uh, a lot of the times that was around the things that we were all doing. So stuff like grades at school or a sporting activities. Who was in a winning team? Who was doing this? Who, who'd won these awards? Um, and at, at a young age... Um, that had quite an effect of me. And I remember this one memory, actually, coming home from school, having got 98% on a maths test. And my dad turned around to me and said, oh, what happened to the other 2%? And uh, from a young age, I really... Yeah, I know. Asian parents, eh? Um, oh <laughs> but, yeah. So, so so from a young age, that kind of taught me. was just like, oh, gosh, if it's not 100%, 
it's not perfect and if it's not perfect then I'm not good enough and uh, for so long perfectionism held me back because I was the kind of person like if I can't do it perfectly I'm not going to do it at all and I think I press press pause on so many of my dreams and so many of my aspirations because of this Mm. and then kind of just over the years as you grow you start to like unpeel some of the layers of the onion and realize what's going on underneath and um I remember going through a a period of um just kind of working on myself and self-development and realizing that um I had quite bad codependency issues and those codependency issues manifested as perfectionism in a lot of my world um and it was kind of the unpacking of that and realizing oh hold on a second I am totally loved and totally accepted regardless of whether I'm perfect or not and actually there's beauty in the imperfections um a friend of mine actually sent me um a bowl that was a kintsugi bowl so kintsugi is a um it's like a Japanese art and they basically repair old broken pottery by mending the areas with lacquer that's dusted um and mixed in with either powdered gold or silver or platinum um, and then that becomes part of the art. And the whole philosophy of it is that you treat breakages and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. Wow. And that really, really spoke volumes to me because it was like, oh, hold, hold on a minute. What if my flaws and the things that I don't see as good about myself are actually things that make me unique? What if they're just signposts for areas that I can work on to grow? You know, so it kind of challenged me to be like, actually, I think it's really important as a creative to just start the first process, just start the one thing and know, actually, at least I've done the first thing. Here's now an opportunity to reflect, see what I can change, see what was good, see what worked, what didn't work and use it as an opportunity to grow rather than an excuse to be in an action, to basically stay in in, in action. Mm. if that makes sense um so yeah that's kind of that's kind of my that was how it started for me how about you mm, no that's a that's a um, story that really resonates with me as well actually and I really love the idea of that bowl and the kind of the idea of the imperfection um so for me gosh I actually didn't think I'd be talking about myself but why not um I think historically when we talk about perfection um you know I think we're all we're all sort of um, products of our environment. And I guess I was surrounded by lots of images of what things should look like and what humans should look like and what is beautiful. And, you know, the kind of classical, the Hollywood, you know, kind of, um, which you know a bit about, you lived in, we lived in the States for a while, but the whole kind of Hollywood imagery. Um, and for me, actually, because I was a little rebel child from quite a young age, I decided that I thought all of that was absolute crap. <laughs> so it, it actually inspired me to, to kind of go the other way and always look for the in-between and always look for the outcast or the person that was ignored. And this whole idea of things looking quite glamorous and quite shiny was never much of a draw. But it doesn't mean that you're not affected by it. There is still that kind of underlying subconscious thing where you're always, you know, you're always having messages passed to you which I think can be quite Mm. difficult to to ignore you know as much as you can you can have a conversation with them or repress them you know I think they're very much there and I actually grew up in a home where um 
where looking good was was quite important and I think it was down to my own my mother's own insecurities and I think you know she was what we used to call back in the 90s always on yo-yo diets and she would put me on them so I became very aware of you know what my physical appearance from like maybe the age of like eight which was just completely unnecessary for an eight-year-old I should have been rolling around in mud and playing with snails which I did a fair amount of as well Um, (laughs) (laughs) amazing so so from the physical side of things and appearances I think that was something that was quite prominent and something that I think I had a conversation with at a really early age and then sort of when we talk about creating so as a creative person I think you know a lot a lot of my understanding of of making art and responding to things has been based around the the idea of convention and I I feel that ties in with this idea of perfection really well so I'm a massive fan of like the Art Povera movement because it's all about poor art and it's you know it's sort of a birth child of Duchamp and it's creating something out of something you can find in the trash and I found something so beautiful about the abandonment of this object then suddenly sitting on a white plinth in this kind of as and being able to be a spectator in this space that was white, completely white and pristine, and then this kind of what you would usually perceive as ugly object just sitting among it. Um, mm. And then I discovered actually a couple of years ago, and it was a friend that brought me onto this, um, the term wabi sabi, um, which is also a Japanese term, which I became really familiar with and also quite, um, yeah, just connected with quite a lot and it's this kind of worldview that derives from japan around the acceptance of transience and imperfections so the aesthetic Mm. is sometimes described as the beauty that is imperfect and impermanent and incomplete so i think this actually ties in to the bowl that you received um because it's all about displaying the cracks rather than concealing them as well so it's seeing the beauty in Mm. asymmetry in roughness in simplicity in austerity um it's just yeah it's, it's it's all of those things and it's it's the first time that i'd ever really thought wow we can just love something for being a bit broken and you know i i like the mug in my cupboard that has a little crack in it because i'll look at it and it's still a perfectly functional mug but i'll remember how i broke it oh the cat jumped on me and i threw it in the air and something funny happened in that moment and it's you know it sort of takes me back <laughs> to it and there are plenty of stories like Amazing. that um so I guess in um, that was supposed to be a summary, but it was quite in depth. But that's kind of my been my relationship with I guess the the idea of perfection so far, and it's 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 not it's not a direct route. I think it it can kind of encapsulate quite a few things. Absolutely, um, I think that's part of the journey of discovery as well, is to to sit sometimes with our imperfections, um, and really take a more of a kind of subjective view of perfectionism yeah and um and sit with it and be like how did how did i arrive at this yeah um and being able to be like oh hold on is this the result of this 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 and this and seeing how the, the lines will connect and you'll begin to realize that actually if you can see all the different puzzle pieces and see how they fit together you can then also figure out how to pull them apart yeah you know and it's it's kind of the the pulling apart and the putting back together process that is the growth journey yeah it ca- and is that it kind of reminds me of the old nursery rhyme humpty dumpty <laughs> i don't know yeah yeah it's true that was a visualization it's i just true. had <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a great analogy so old humpty dumpty can teach us a lesson there <laughs> 
sat on a wall <laughs> and he had a great fall. He did. <laughs> and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. But maybe Humpty Dumpty could put himself back together again. Maybe he could. They didn't um, really elaborate on that, did they? In the nursery rhyme? No, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also like on that subject as well, I think part of the process of kind of working through perfectionism is learning to accept that life is a journey and that that journey is not a straight line as many of us would hope it would be but it's it's a very kind of up and down curve goes up and down and that's life but that's the beauty of life I often often feel like if if I didn't go through pain and I didn't have sad times I wouldn't value the happy times the joyous times the times of contentment in the same way Mm. because there wouldn't be a point of reference for it Mm. would joy really be joy if we never knew pain Mm. you know would happiness really be happiness if we were never sad and actually if we can begin to see ourselves more as like holistic human beings who have these range of emotions that that but that is what is beautiful the imperfections is what brings around perfection in, in itself our ability to navigate all of the above if you like yeah um is where the magic is yeah you know wasn't that true because I think the things that I love the most about the people around me so such as my friends and my partner it's it's it is actually the imperfections it's the little things those little nuances that are completely unique to them um and not to anybody else and just you know in a sense not their flaws but but yeah just the the unique little nuances that that nobody else has um I think is the idiosyncrasies yeah I think that's the thing that makes makes them so beautiful and Mm. and yeah so that's just kind of how I feel about it and what keeps resonating with me actually as we're talking about this is okay so a little story for you is I went to art school um and I had an amazing three years some of it a blur some of it some of it not but um I was surrounded by, I think in my year alone, it was about a hundred other artists. And, and out of that, I, I grew oh, yeah. some stunning and beautiful friendships, which I still um, cherish to this day. Um, but what, what became really like apparent to me quite soon on is how subjective art is. And mm. reading a book, actually, um, John Berger, The, Way, the Ways of Seeing, which I really recommend, um, which... If you've ever been to art school, you've probably read it as well. But I, I recommend it for musicians as well. Um, it's it's just all about the subjectiveness of art and the way we see it. And mm. I have a quote from him as well, which is, the perspective centers everything on the eye of the beholder. It is like a beam from a lighthouse. Only instead of light traveling outwards, it's light traveling in. And I think that's mm. really important. It's a really powerful quote, but but it's something that, we have to remember the uniqueness of our creation is what makes it our creation you know we don't want to mimic things we don't want to we don't want things to be pristine i enjoy the pro- like you said earlier the process of creating something if it has a crack or if there's a part of it that's a little bit imperfect it's what makes it truly itself and and i've seen so many friends that have been artists and have been stalled sort of in a space and time for so long because there is this fear that there that that it doesn't look like somebody else's work or that it it is it isn't the best it could possibly be but what they don't see is what it is in itself is truly beautiful and Mm. sometimes you just kind of want to grab those friends and shake them and just say put it out there because 
you know, art is a yeah. message it's a conversation it's a it's something to respond to for the world around you and isn't it better that people see it than not yeah then they hear it than yeah. not you know which goes back to our podcast last week <laughs> do we put it out do people yeah. hear it or do they not well the answer yeah. is of course it's worth the risk yeah absolutely and, and that's that's the thing like I'm a firm believer that every single one of us is entirely unique and so there are things that we can do and say that are so unique to us as individuals and if we don't do or say them it's not that someone else can come and say the same thing because it will be unique to them mm. it will be as if those things never existed mm. and that is such a shame in a in our contribution towards art but in our contribution towards the world mm. you know and so it's always better to to present what you have at the moment that you have it if if it's ready to go and the only thing that wouldn't make it ready to get it to go often is our own ideals of it yeah yeah but our perspective and someone else's perspective may be completely different yeah you're completely right i'd actually like your opinion on this as as a, a qualified hypnotherapist like Ooh, what go on then <laughs> going into question time now um so I'm kind of thinking of a particular friend as an example but I I do have a series of friends that, that probably have been you know, musicians as well that have been in this situation you know where they don't put work out and for the reasons I've just said oh it's not perfect w yeah. what do do you feel there's a narrative there that there was a point in time that that something may have happened that makes people believe that it's not perfect what where do you think that 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 can come from or draw from or do you just think it's something that that we all have innately it's it's something that I find really curious because I spend a, I do spend a fair amount of my time you know with my creative creative souls trying to kind of make them realize their potential and, and not be afraid to just yeah. do it but yeah. but it do you, do you think there's a route for everyone absolutely I'm a firm believer that everyone's got their own route and those routes can be different um, in hypnotherapy, there's a term called the ISE. They call it the initial sensitizing event. Mm. And often in hypnotherapy, in order for someone to move on or be able to change a behavior, the hypnotherapist will enable them to access memories um, to try and navigate and find this ISE. Because if you can heal that inner child at the point of the ISE and bring understanding to the adult mm. that this is what happened, um, and this is what they can do to change behavior, you can find them beginning to walk into freedom. And the reason I say that, like I've got two kids, right? One's, one's four, one is one. And you give them some paint and some crayon mm. and they don't hold back. And then as soon as they're finished, they're like, look, mommy, look, isn't it amazing? <laughs> And I'm like, wow, yeah, it is. <laughs> Even though it just might be scribbles and like handprints all over a page. To them, there's this excitement and this joy at sharing their art. And I think that that, that passion, that tenacity is in each one of us. Yeah. Um, and if at one point there is a fear of being able to show it, like our intention in creating art is for it to be seen. Mm -hmm. You know, um, whether that is seen by us or seen by other people, there's, a, there's an intention to it. And, and you can see it in kids. So if as an adult you're struggling with it, chances are something happened this could be someone saying something, someone's an adult figure saying something disapproving or not having time or not acknowledging something. And the child mind not having the full spectrum of I'm 
oh, maybe this adult is going through something. The child never thinks that an adult is going through something. They think it's them. Mm. And so a child will often receive that disinterest or um, that disappointment, as in they're a disappointment. Because mm. they aren't mature enough to separate their creative art from themselves, their true, their identity. Mm. Um, and we carry that on as into adulthood if we don't sit with it long enough to unpack it. And so for me, when I was training to be a hypnotherapist, part of what like the training is, you get put into groups and you have to practice on each other. So you get hypnotherapy as well as give hypnotherapy. That's part of the training to get the qualification. And and in a lot of times when I was having therapy myself, a lot of my ISEs, my initial sensitizing events, were all back in early childhood, whether it was a parent figure, a teacher figure, an older sibling, a younger sibling, <laughs> um, a friend, um, someone at school said something, you know, it can come from lots of different different forms. Or even just like being compared a lot at a young age um, to other people, to siblings, to friends, you know, friends' kids or whatever. That can have a really, really damaging effect on a child because it's like this sense of comparison is I'm not enough mm. because look at so and so or look at so and so, um, and that and that can really, really um, that can really, really affect a really young mind who doesn't have the maturity to understand what's going on. Mm. Um, so yeah, I would definitely say for a, for a lot of artists to to sit with it, you don't necessarily have to go to therapy. Although I highly recommend therapy, I think it's a great tool that we can use to really unlock obstacles that are holding us back. Mm. Um, although I understand it's not for everybody. But also you can just do this yourself. You can do almost a self-healing approach, which is to sit with yourself and to ask yourself some really deep questions, which are, why am I feeling this way? What's holding me back? And was there an initial sensitizing event that, that has had this knock-on effect to why I feel the way that I do now mm. yeah some really powerful stuff there I think um it's really interesting isn't it to think that as as kind of functioning adults sort of living and contributing to the real world that you know have many years later we might be sort of stunted and affected by something that could have happened at the age of three and just be fully unaware of it and I think that to grow and develop and to to really be the best version of yourself in this world is probably to there has to maybe come a point where we ask that question and sort of go back and, and review that um you know I think it uh, for example it's definitely helped me and I'm an advocate for therapy as well I've been through various different kinds of it at points in my life where it was necessary and it really helped to shine a light back you know a torch back in and and just sort of pull out some of the things that just needed to be spoken about dealt with addressed challenged mostly really they needed to be challenged mm. because they were just thought patterns that were just really just not not serving me like you say not serving the mm. world you know and preventing mm. preventing myself from from moving forwards um in a creative sense in a career sense in in all areas you know one thing can affect yeah. so many things and and you said mm. you said something earlier about um i think i think maybe it was true identity or authentic self and and maybe it just sort of spun a thought with me that maybe this is maybe an area where some artists struggle as well with this whole idea of perfectionism mm -hmm. and this is what gets in the way is this maybe they're not working sort of with the authentic self if they're creating something because they feel like that's what they should create or are they creating something mm -hmm. because 
that's innately within them and they are being authentic by doing so and I think there's a line that can be drawn with any artist where I think they all ask themselves that questions when you know that question at some point when they're creative creating something and I wonder I wonder how one can identify which and and I think maybe my answer to that as I'm saying it is if one makes you happy then that's you being authentic and if one is a it's just painful to create then then perhaps mm. it's the latter but that's just that's just kind of my my thoughts and observations on it what do you think I think I think it can absolutely be that case I think it's a very nuanced subject and maybe not so linear mm. in some cases um I think authentic self being our authentic self has in itself many layers <laughs> um <laughs> Because I think we can have our core values, we can have our core desires, we can have our core personality, our core dislikes and, and likes, um, and they are all parts and parts of what our identity is. Um, our mind, our body, our soul, our spirit, our ho- if we look at it holistically, all of that makes up our identity. Um, and so in some cases, especially for artists, and I'll draw upon the... Um, example of musicians right or producers who may like a style of music say you've got a producer who really 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 loves rock music um but is producing a lot of pop music right how are they able to be their authentic selves driven by their likes and desires and the things that make them happy whilst doing a career that they really desire to do and do the music that they like to do I think it's about everybody needs to sit with themselves and ask themselves, like, what am I trying to build here? How can I be most authentically myself in what I'm trying to build? So if the end goal is to be an award-winning Grammy producer, for example, um, then it's about what steps do I need to take in order to achieve that goal, um, which might be only one part of their goal. If the If the other part of the goal is actually I want to have really healthy wholesome connections um and put really really distinct positive music out there for example then it's just like well what what do i need to put in place that enables me to reach that goal Mm. how much of me is being how much of what i do needs to meet my own needs in the moment versus my long-term needs my goals and my dreams and my aspirations Mm. and sometimes along the way there are short-term things that you have to do that are stepping stones to the end goal that are not necessarily enjoyable in the given moment. Mm. But if they're playing a part towards a bigger picture, it's worth doing. If they're not playing a part towards the bigger picture, then ask yourself the questions, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why is there this misalignment? Mm. And a lot of the times, when you ask yourself that questions, those menial, annoying tasks when you can see the bigger picture and you can see the end goal and you can see how they're playing into the bigger picture, become less annoying, become less um, burdensome Mm. and more part of something bigger. Uh, Especially if you're able to align one part of you, of your identity, whether it be your values, whether it be your goals and aspirations, whether it be um, being around the right kind of people. You know, if it facilitates one part of the end goal, then sometimes doing those things that are not necessarily 100% enjoyable may be part of a necessary part of the progress. If they're not serving you, if they're not feeding into those bigger things, if they're not bringing anything to the table for you, then question why you do it, because chances are you're not supposed to be doing it. Mm. 
I've always found that there's a grace to do the things we don't want to do if there's a if there's a goal to it Mm. yeah I think that makes absolute sense I think I've met many people in this exact position that you've just spoken about actually as you're saying I was like oh resonates for sure um and I I wonder when you're when you're in that situation perhaps and you're having to to make those stepping stones to to get to the end goal I guess the really important thing in all of that is to maintain focus isn't it because I suppose it could be quite easy to get lost in the in the moment of of what you're doing that maybe isn't is just your stepping stone it isn't your kind of your end goal in this process um I think maybe creative people could maybe have stumbling blocks in that where they feel like maybe they're Mm. losing themselves in the in the Mm. that point in the part of the large picture um so what would be your advice I guess for an artist or a musician that's that's got this vision and this goal in mind of what they want to put out there and what they want to do to serve themselves and and I guess the world um but they're finding they're having to go through these steps but they struggle in the steps what do you have any pieces of advice for for people that are in those positions 100% I'll tell you what works for me vision boards oh I love a vision board I love a good cutting cutting sticking glue in session you know um just it also because it's a really creative activity to do Mm. you know I'm also even if you're just designing on the computer and printing it out but I love to get a like massive piece of a3 or a1 paper um get some magazines print some pictures off the internet like um and have a vision board and have it somewhere that I can see it every day yeah I, I had a podcast on the vision board for so long. So I, the fact that we're sitting here doing this, there you go, it works, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, having a vision board enables you to, to visually see something every day um, that can serve as a reminder to that question. Is this serving me? Is this part of the end goal? Is, is this a necessary part of the journey? And if you can hand in your heart say yes, absolutely, this is, I'm just, I just need to kind of do what I need to do to, to finish what I'm doing and to do, to do this part of the journey um, with as much grace and joy as I can find, then you know that it's serving a bigger picture. If you can hand in your heart and say, actually, this has got nothing to do with anything that's on my vision board, why the heck am I doing it? <laughs> then you need to not be doing it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's quite as, you know, it's, it boils down to that. Mm. And I think when you have something that you can see, um, especially because a lot of creatives are very, you know, are very visual. Um, they tell stories and they, um, they, they create things that you can hear and that you can see, like, if you can if you've got something as a point of reference that's that's the starting point because that will always be the thing that steers you mm. um, and helps to maintain that focus that you talked about just a second ago um because without that you you could literally be led in a million different directions because there's always going to be someone who has a strong voice that be like no let's go this way or someone who go that way and sometimes until you get to the point where you're confident enough to say no which is really hard for a lot of people, you can sometimes get veered off into going in a different direction and, and ending up somewhere you didn't necessarily want to be. Mm. Whereas if you have that vision board, you have all of your goals, your dreams, you take the time to really connect with yourself and really figure out what sparks joy and what 
brings you to life yeah and what it is that you get to share with the world because every single one of us um is here for a reason mm-hmm. and have something unique to bring to the world and if you can connect with that and have that on a vision board that's that steers you that gives you focus that gives you direction it makes that whole process a lot easier it makes it a lot more focused it, it makes it a lot more driven mm-hmm. and when you do have those dips in motivation you just get to look up see that vision board and be like oh yeah that's the reason i'm doing it because mm. you know life will, sh- will throw you curveballs and sometimes we can lose sight of it but when we've got it written down we've always got something to come back to and i think fundamentally that's the most important thing i think i think you're right i think that's sound and solid advice i am an advocate of vision boards i have several and um i actually went to a vision boarding workshop it was a music industry one and they actually used pinterest which i thought was interesting for people that just wanted a digital one because you can just get the app on your phone and you can have it as your desktop for example on your computer when you're at work so i guess it's another way of doing the same thing but i'm i'm like you i like to get scissors i like to get my pva out i like to just go all in with my hands um Oh, I do. I do have several Pinterest boards as well for my new kitchen. Oh, I'm, uh, nice. <laughs> I'm like speaking into life. Um, <laughs> my dream kitchen. Uh, you know, these certain things. And actually, Pinterest is a great resource for that. Yeah. Oh. I'd really advocate for that. It's great for finding great home decor. I agree. Um, yeah, 100%. <laughs> so one of the things that I, I like to do... Um, is well again I'll, I'll refer back to the book the artist way which is like this this whole kind of 12 week recovery of, of artists and i think it's never too late by the way if you're if you're you know 40 years down the line and you think that you've given up on your creative dreams i think there's always a point to reconnect because it's always there and um you know i picked up this book and it's, it's amazing and, and one of the things that it talks about is, is sort of writing on morning pages and it's like a vision it's like an idea of blurting and and I find this is one thing that really helps me with my with my creative self and to not be too harsh on my creation and it's it's to just give yourself and allow yourself maybe 10 to 15 minutes when you wake up and you know those first moments where your brain just sort of comes back to life and you're in consciousness again and it's it's chatting it's mm-hmm. talking to you what's it talking mm-hmm. about you know what time is my meeting what time do I have to get up what time is it now have I fed the cat do I need to feed the kids before all of that get get up 15 minutes early and just write everything that comes out of your head everything just 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 because you just want to get it out and it's it's a it's a form of just like cleansing and detoxing of just emptying out all of those all of those thoughts if they're good if they're bad it doesn't matter if you don't know what to write just repeat the words I don't know what to write I don't know what to write until something starts Mm. to come and and I have in these moments I have moments of creative um, intuition I have ideas that flow out of me that I'll sometimes grab a separate notebook and quickly write the note down I'll get mantras come to me so all these things happen or I'll remember a memory that makes me happy and I find that's one way and and another thing I, I recommend for like music makers is to maybe just allow yourself 15 minutes a day of play so whether you are a producer as we've already used that reference where you just jump onto logic or ableton or whatever it is that you like to use and you just create for fun so you just allow yourself that play you know get your ableton pushpad out and just start hitting stuff and just go with the rhythm and the flow of it rather than thinking i need to make something that sounds like this 
um yeah so that's one thing i think i think creative play is really important and to make stuff that doesn't really have an agenda it's really just you interacting with with that that medium i think is really important that'd be one piece of advice that i would give amazing i love that yeah 100 percent agree with that i think that's really really good and actually one more thing to add um i would say as well is to find people that you trust and share your dreams and your visions with them mm. and ask them to to help keep you accountable that's really nice because one of the place yeah one of the things that is so important in this journey because so, sometimes for a lot of creatives it's a very lonely journey is that if you get demotivated and you haven't shared your vision and your purpose and your dreams or what or whatnot with anybody else you've got no one else to pick you up when you're having that low point you've got no one to say hey come on let's let's figure out another way around this let's like let's see your dreams come to pass and i i would say that i can count maybe two or three really significant people that every time i've been on the precipice of like just giving up have been like no you're not giving up just take the time you need to rest but we're going to get back on the battlefield and we're going to fight another day you know <laughs> you're going to keep going and definitely like my husband's one of those people is one of the, my biggest advocates um and facilitates a lot of why I'm able to do what I'm, I do um and I think it's so important to have those people in our lives but if we don't share what's on our hearts and we don't share those visions and those dreams with people and I'm not saying just share it with the whole world so that people can pick you to pieces I'm not saying that I'm saying find people that you trust and ask them to hold you to accountable mm. um it will make all the difference mm. um because it certainly has to me so yeah find your people find your tribe um and a little bit like what we talked about last week um sometimes when we get caught up in our own perfectionism and we don't want to put something out there um we can ha go to these people to give us our honest feedback um and you know be able to to navigate that environment and then those people be the environment that we plant ourselves in and enable us to grow that's what we were talking about last week you know um yeah finding the right the right environment it need you know seed needs water it needs sunlight it needs those things and and what if those people are that environment that enables you to grow mm. you know so i'd really advocate as well to to share your vision with people that you trust yeah I really like that I think that's a really important one as well as you were saying it I was starting to kind of um highlight in my mind who those people are for me you know you sort of start yeah. to collect them in your in your mind and actually they don't hold me accountable but maybe I should start making them but I do share with them you know my thoughts and my ideas yeah. and my dreams yeah but um I like that idea and I might I might pull that into action yeah. as well and give it a try because yeah. <laughs> here's here's the bonus right when you ask someone to hold you accountable you're inviting them to take ownership of your dreams. So you're never alone in pursuing your dreams. Mm, I really like that. Yeah, it's really nice. It's but you got to invite them in. That, and that means asking for accountability. Then not everybody likes <laughs> Do it, do it when you're ready. It's true. <laughs> but get ready. <laughs> I don't like being told what to do. So it could, uh, <laughs> it could pull out my inner cat. But yeah, <laughs> maybe it's necessary. Um, but as we know with all cats, they always end up coming back. <laughs> they do. <laughs> My cat knows where she gets coming fed. Back for more. So yeah, that's right. Um, okay, I think you know. I think is there anything else that you'd like to impart onto our lovely listeners today? Um, 
about perfection or on any of the topics we've spoken about is there anything you'd leave leave them with I think I just want to leave them with this that whether something's perfect or whether something's imperfect it's still beautiful to put it out anyway yeah I agree I completely agree I think that's really lovely I think that's um a really nice way to end the podcast as well it's been a really nice chat today it's kind of every time we have these talks I just feel a little bit lighter you know when you're just sharing these (laughs) these thoughts and feelings and especially when you're talking about the concept of perfectionism which I know is something that everyone that will listen to this will resonate with um it's what we're all about (laughs) amazing I love that and yeah thank you for being really vulnerable as well Lacey and sharing your stories love that so may long may it's long continue (laughs) (laughs) agreed oh well this has been lovely um Thanks for listening and um, yeah, we'll be back next week um, with a new topic. um, So look out for that and I hope you all have a lovely day. Till next time. Till next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.